Public health and healthcare play different but complementary roles in ensuring the health and wellness of their communities and patients. This relationship was both tested and highlighted during the COVID-19 pandemic unlike ever before. So, how do rural hospitals work with their local public health agencies to support their overall health and well-being of the people they serve? With open communication, spirited discussion, and a foundation of trust. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 87 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hotshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So, Rachel, we've talked many times uh, about our experience navigating uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, as a rural hospital, as a rural community. Uh, and you know what? The reality of it is we didn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, many other hospitals, many other rural communities faced the same challenges we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, some even with uh, even greater challenges because they didn't have good partners like we do. Um, so we had community partners every step of the way, and uh, including our local health department, which was at the table from day one, uh, setting the table and mm-hmm. and giving us uh, advice, recommendations, and also seeking input, which was important. It wasn't mm-hmm. just directed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my people Peers uh, throughout the state were sharing horror stories of situations where they would sit around a table and there would not be that feedback and that, right. that communication back and forth. So it is great to have partners uh, like the health department. That's right. And I actually, I remember that first meeting we had kind of, we hadn't quite fully stood up our incident command center, right. but we were kind of in in ready mode. Yeah. And uh, this individual and her team came over to uh, to the hospital and we had a key group of people in the room to kind of talk through literally from the very beginning. beginning. I don't think we even had a case yet in Hillsdale no, or maybe. We had not. No, yeah, we were prepared to say, for yeah. this is how we can work together. What do you guys need? What do we need? How can we help each other? Yeah. Um, so. With that said, today we are talking with someone who has been at the helm of the local health agency here and has become a trusted colleague over the past two and a half years. That is true. Someone new to our podcast, but not new to our community, uh, as well as other communication tools that we have launched, including Facebook Live and you name it, uh, the radio. We've been on those uh, mediums having conversation time and time again. Uh, And I'm excited today that we can welcome Rebecca Burns, health officer for the Branch Hill. Hillsdale St. Joe Community Health Agency here in Hillsdale Branch in St. Joe, Michigan. <laughs> and we welcome you to Rural Health Rising today, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So to start, Rebecca, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at the Branch Hillsdale St. Joseph Community Health Agency? Sure. So, um, you know, I was born in Michigan, grew up in Michigan, uh, came from rural Michigan. Nice. Um, even went to college at a small university. Well, I consider it small, Northern <laughs> Michigan University. Oh, Northern. You're a Northern girl? <clears throat> I am a Northern Now, that's grad. like that's like way up there, right? It is way it's up there. It's in Marquette? It is in Marquette. And that's you in get, Canada? Yeah, it's pretty much. It's, it, well, it's in I'm Alaska. I'm Texas, so that sounds it's in like Alaska. Canada to me. <laughs> yeah, when you set at the border of it, I think you see Alaska. But I um, one of the things, or Russia, I can't remember. But one of the things uh, is there's like snow up to the rooftops, right? There can Is that be. True? There okay. can be. All right. There were years when I was up there when we had like no snow. No though. snow. It was oh, really boy. weird. Oh, yeah, that's, but, that's that's odd. <clears throat> yeah, but so yes, uh, born and raised rural, stayed rural. Um, when I graduated from college, I still didn't quite know what I wanted to do when I grew up. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I was blessed with a position at Fair State University as a residence hall director. RA. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. while I was there, I picked up um, a degree in industrial environmental health management. Did you hear that? She said she picked up a degree she in something that sounds very complicated and difficult. <laughs> she probably okay, truly I, just did that. I she really just saw did, it in the I really library did and grabbed study it. She's like, yeah, I like tasks. it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you and I are so challenged humble. with book reading. She just picked it up. Yeah, well, after after some study for sure. Yeah. Um, but that's what led me to public health. That yeah. degree at Ferris State. That's and nice. That's awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, they don't have that degree program yeah. anymore. But they yeah. do have a public health degree yeah. now. So mm-hmm. a little different. It is. Um, and so in my early career, I focused on environmental health issues. I was very interested in uh, cleaning up our environment and. Um, you know, making sure that we would leave it um, yeah. to our children better than yeah. than we received it. Yeah. And so, um, although that was kind of always my focus, I ended up as a food sanitarian. Oh, wow. So um, early career in public health was as a, a food inspector, which a lot of people know us by that name. Yes, mm-hmm. um, ooh, the food inspector, oh, right? Uh-oh. Hurry up. The Clean health up. department's here. Clean up. Yeah, the health Clean department's up. here. Put the, put the yeah, close sign out. Hurry, <laughs> yeah. hurry. You talk about a new level of stress, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was really instructive, though, because during the, um, well, a number of years that I did that particular work, um, I learned the importance of uh, community and relationships. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, anybody can go in with training and do a food inspection, but the ones that are most effective in that type of work are ones that have established a relationship yeah. with their restaurant operator. Yeah. And um, there's a level of trust there. there yeah. And so um, that trust is necessary in order to um, to really make progress and move right. things forward right. um, and to do it in a method that's collaborative yeah. because um, if you don't have that relationship – the progress won't happen because mm-hmm. as soon as I'm not there, what difference yeah. does it make, right? Right, right, right. Um, And most facilities want to do a really they good do. job. Right. And, they want to be and, in business for yeah, a you know, long time. Yeah, and yeah. they do, and they, they want to do the right thing. So that led me on a path of, um, you know, what else can I do in environmental health and at the health department? And, and were, back, were you at the health department, the branch you were mm-hmm. at, the, the Tri-County yep. you were? So that's where you started. It is. Oh, okay. I've done my entire public health career here at Branch Hillsdale St. Joe. And, and just wow. out of curiosity, how many years have you been at at the health department? Um, I'm at 28, I think. 28. That's incredible. I think, yeah. That's incredible. You've seen a lot. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a really interesting career. I, I did not expect to stay this long. Yeah. Um, mm. And... You know, really expected to move back up north a little bit, but um, things didn't work out that way. And I think it's been just good. It's been good. Um, I'm still close enough to my family that, um, you know, it's not that long to go to Ionia County where they live. And um, so it's been a good place to be. It's been a good learning experience. And it's where... I feel most um, comfortable and effective in a rural environment. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would have been like a kid out of water, a fish out of water, if I had been in Ann Arbor or oh, Grand Rapids, a different environment, or yeah. even Kalamazoo. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I mean, rural. I don't mind going visiting places <laughs> yeah. like that, but it's yeah. 
it's not where I'm comfortable no, or feel effective. No. You know, so uh, we're going to talk about your experience with the health department here in a few minutes, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some specific uh, items that you've worked on and yep. specifically as it relates to COVID. We'll talk about that. But um, what I want to do is, uh, now that we've established your background, your education, um, uh, we always do this. We start with a why. And we do it on every episode so we get to know and our listeners get to know our guests just a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so what I want to know from you, Rebecca Burns, is what motivates you? What is your why? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? Well, um, early in my careers in public health, um, I think the why was to, um, you know, work with people and move things along and, you know, and and be there to respond and, and educate and do all those things. Yeah. When I moved into the health officer role, although that is still really important to me, my focus, I feel, is more on the the whole picture of the health department and mm-hmm. the staff. And um, I get up every day and come to work to support our team so that they can do the best public health work that we are Good. capable of sure, sure. Um, in our three counties. Yeah. Um, so I'm really committed to having um, well-trained um, compassionate, educated staff mm-hmm. that are dedicated to our our three counties worth of residents, and um, and making sure that my team has what they need to yeah. to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, we, you and I have talked about this many times, but working in public health uh, post the pandemic has has changed, right? right? And um, what I guess you know, I want to talk a little bit about is what it was like working in public health before the pandemic, uh, especially in a rural setting, you know, so don't, let's not factor in this, this COVID-19, but let's talk a little bit about what types of involvement you had. And, and you really, you have tentacles out everywhere. I mean, you're in schools, you're in public events, you're talking to commissioners. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, but not everybody knows that Rebecca. And in fact, I think to the demise of a lot of public health, uh, I would say up until the pandemic, probably five years leading up to it, you and I both know, especially in Michigan, public health was getting cut. Mm-hmm. You you had, at one time, you had a remarkable number of staff members uh, when your predecessor was there. I mean, you had programs, you were doing AIDS outreach, you're doing all these things. Right. Well, slowly over time in Michigan, uh, and you could speak to it better than I can, the health departments in each of those respective counties began to shift. The state's no longer funding it. It went to some county resources, right? Mm-hmm. And it dried up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your work in public health prior to the pandemic. Um, you know, what did you experience in that rural setting? Well, I think it's important to remember that <clears throat> the best public health is invisible. So mm. you don't really... If we're doing our job point. well, yeah, that's a good point. People don't know you exist. that we're here. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that then leads to the detriment of, of what do they do? <laughs> why should we fund them? Right. I mean, if if um, all is well, we don't see them doing anything, or mm-hmm. right. you know, what value is yeah. there to that point. to that funding? Yeah. Um, which so prior to the pandemic, um, our Outreach was really very old school. You know, it mm-hmm. was sending like an, a health educator out to yeah. a public event. Um, the change—I'm skipping ahead—but the change no, to no, now sure. yeah. is the social media piece. And I mean, we did press releases before, and um, 
and sent health educators out mm-hmm. and staff out. But there was none of, of what we do today, yeah. like coming and talking to you right. or doing the other Facebook Live things that we've yeah. done. Yeah. Um, we had started a Facebook page prior to the pandemic, but I think we had like maybe 300 followers, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So very little um, knowledge about what we do was really getting out there. People tended not to see the value in public mm-hmm. and local public mm-hmm. health. Right. I do think that what's changed is how we're trying to get the word out to the community and um, let them know that we are here. Mm -hmm. We continue to face um, some barriers, though, because of the pandemic, um, because there's concern about us going too far, right? Um, And... We, we don't want to go too far, right. but we do want everybody to know the best practices and the things that they can do to protect themselves and their families, because ultimately that's what we're here for. Sure. We want people to have long lifespans right. and not to, you know, um, lose a family member yeah. due to a vaccine-preventable disease, right. for right. example. Right, clearly. Um, so, so anyway. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk a little bit um, about some of the work that you do, mm-hmm. because you know we all the heightened awareness was during COVID. Like, mm-hmm. oh well, they give shots, right? right. I mean, yeah. but right. at the end of the day, you're catching mosquitoes, right? Right. I mean, I, I seriously, there was there <laughs> yeah, was we were talking about that I, on I the would, Facebook Live this right. summer. I mean, you were catching mosquitoes to yeah. study, you know, mm-hmm. what are they bringing in? But even pre, uh, you know, those activities and pre-COVID, um, you were working with school districts, right? And when you right. say you had old programs, so you were doing uh, AIDS awareness and you were going into the districts. I remember your predecessor sharing with me many stories how he would go to school board meetings. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit about? you know, that relationship in the old days. Because yeah. what we want to do is draw a contrast between what you did then and really what what we're experiencing now in this new age. Sure. So what I re- remember pre-pandemic as far as school interaction was really our nursing staff um, working with our school districts and usually the secretary of the school district because yeah. there wasn't a school nurse. There wasn't, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, talking with them about, you know, these are symptoms of communicable disease right. and um, this is when a kiddo should stay home and this is when a kiddo can go to school and we need you to report that. Um, we were always looking for but didn't really usually find um, communicable diseases that would cause a lot of um, serious illness, yeah. which was good, right? right? I right, mean, that's right. that's what we want. What we want. don't want to no. have a bunch of illnesses no. um, that cause people to be sick. So that's what we were doing with school districts. Frankly, we weren't in there doing education much anymore. Um, at one time, our health educators went in and they did do hmm. um, like HIV and yeah. um, STD type of um you know, training and education right. in, in some school districts, but we hadn't even been doing that. Oh, you had not? No. Is that a staffing issue or the <clears throat> priorities change? No, I think mostly staffing. staffing. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a really, that's a topic that you have to be very careful. You do. With. In rural right. communities, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the makeup of that community, right. you know, what is their opinion on that? That mm-hmm. becomes mm-hmm. difficult. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things you mentioned, though, is nurses. You have nurses that work for you. We do. So what's that function? So our nurses, um, 
Our model is um, our medical director, who's a, a DO, yeah. and then we have nurses that work underneath that DO okay. and can do, they're not mid-level, so they're not a physician's assistant or sure. a nurse practitioner, um, so they can they can provide immunizations, they can okay. um, do um, testing for STDs and HIV, and then using best practice information in concert with our medical director, uh, provide, for example, uh, prescriptions yeah. or um, like whooping cough. Um, we had a whooping cough that would every once in a while spring up and then um, treating the community for whooping cough was important, so our nurses would call in prescriptions for families to try and, um, you know, knock that down yeah. and prevent yeah. further. Mm-hmm. Um, so our nurses are important in our uh, WIC program for the nutrition and infant growth oh, yeah. piece. Um, so, you know, new babies uh, often are seen by a pediatrician mm-hmm. or other doctor routinely, and that's and that needs to happen. Um, but families that are on WIC um, have an extra um, opportunity to meet with a, a nurse to talk about breastfeeding and uh, proper nutrition and, and actually be making sure that that child is meeting those growth uh, yeah. milestones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you ha- and so, um, and, and I promise I'll let Rachel ask some questions, but, <laughs> but you brought up WIC, mm-hmm. and that's an important program. Yeah. You run that program for each of the respective counties. We do. Okay. Yep. And that is um, dependent on uh, income and, right? There are income guidelines for WIC, um, but they're much more generous than most people recognize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we say to um, families, if if you're feeling a pinch or a need, please check. Please okay. check and you see. Could qualify. You may qualify. There are many, many, many residents in our three-county area who meet the income guidelines, but for whatever reason, choose not to participate hmm. in WIC. And so we would love to get the word out and encourage more people yeah. to participate. Okay. And and obviously that's state funded. Federal, oh, federally federal. funded okay. through the state so and I then the grant through. comes to us. And the grant yeah. comes to you. Mm-hmm. And then you distribute that after you qualify the, the, the person and then they get a card, a coupon. Yeah, they get... Um, what looks like a credit card okay. and use that to buy certain items that they're um, as in their package. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and it's all about the age of the children and, you know, what goes in that package, mm-hmm. what that family needs. Um, you, you know, infants, um, if they're not breastfed, will have formula as a part of the package mm-hmm. where infants that are breastfed would have different items yeah. for the family. Okay. And so formula, that mm-hmm. became an issue across oh, yeah. the country. Yeah. And this is a national podcast. So yep. how did you manage that crisis? Yeah. Luckily, um, you know, we were able to get messaging out and our um, our state contract allowed us to substitute. So whatever, um, you know, f- whatever was available, whatever right. people could find, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were able to make those substitutions. Oh, nice. As opposed to like this specific brand and that kind of stuff. Which is what, you know, WIC is is, is specific like that because there's contracts with vendors. Okay. So the cost so if you know if you had to have which actually the product we were using was um, the product that was recalled. Oh, oh wow. wow. So that required um, a change mm-hmm. in, you know, okay, well these other 
formula options will be mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. whatever substitution we could, could make, we made. So has that been resolved? There's still issues with formula, okay. um, but it's much better yeah. than it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, one thing that I think is important to point out is public health and health care both work hand in hand, but they kind of have the opposite approaches. The way I've heard it described is public health is focused on the community and, of course, engages and works with individuals in the process, whereas healthcare is focused on the individual patient right. and also works with and engages with the community in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so the approaches are different. Um, how would you say that, um, you know, since the pandemic being something that we both were intimately involved in all the time, that our I would I would say our work probably directly overlapped more than it ever had. Um, for you, how has your work, your agency, and your experience in public health changed since the pandemic started? We've done a much better job locally in our public health agency in partnering with mm-hmm. our local hospitals. Yeah. We yeah. always had a nurse that communicated with a communicable disease nurse at the hospital. Right. Sure. Right. But that's really where it stopped yeah. for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Um, the health officer might know the CEO at the hospital, mm-hmm. but it really kind of ended there. there. It was, yeah. you know, just a, hi, I know who you are kind of a right. thing. I think the difference today is we both recognize that we need to Although we don't necessarily work, like you mentioned, doing the same type of work, Mm -hmm. but we have to communicate and collaborate um, for the betterment of our communities. And if we don't do that, Mm -hmm. shame on us because um, we have to look out for... Yeah. Our communities and and try to make them healthier. Yeah, and and I think as a as a testimony to that, um, you have a phenomenal medical director. Ah, yes, we uh, do, Doctor Luprell. <laughs> she actually worked here for many years mm-hmm. uh, in in running several programs. Uh, she is reconnecting with yeah. your physician population in yeah. each of the respective communities, and I think that's huge yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because it. I what I you know what you don't want I'm sure is that every time the health department knocks on the door it's always something negative. I think those relationships are so critical yeah. and what you know Miss Dewey has been able to do for you in marketing and publicity mm-hmm. uh in getting out there is JJ huge. is referring to uh one of Rebecca's team members who's here with us in the yes, room though Chris, not on the mic. <laughs> Chris Dewey. Yes. <laughs> Just for the background yes. and the context of yes. okay. and, and what she Continue. and Dr. Luparello have have done I think has been pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, and because your job uh, is extremely difficult, especially managing some of those tough conversations. But speaking of tough conversations, it has not been an easy few years. Um, And we can talk about it because I got hit with it, too. You know, we had people in our community that didn't believe that Mm -hmm. COVID was real. Mm -hmm. How many times did we hear that, Rachel? Uh, Plenty. Yep. We had, uh, and great uncertainty, right? And initially going into the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't know, are we supposed to wash groceries? You know, we didn't know, we didn't know anything, you know, you didn't know anything. Uh, How do you transmit it? You know, we had staff that were living in their garages uh, because they didn't want to go into their homes and are sleeping in campers uh, because they didn't want to infect their family. I mean, this was truly, we were learning on the fly. 
and a lot of great uncertainty. But we were met in communities where it's very conservative, and we can say that, and and at times very closed off to some of these national notions and to some of of the science, I'm going to be honest. And so that was difficult, and uh, you faced it, Mm -hmm. I faced it, um, and I think I want to commend you because persistence and truth and and just absolutely hunkering down like you did uh, was to the development and betterment of our community. So I want to thank you for that. Thanks. But it was tough. I mean, you and yeah. I both took personal hits, uh, name calling, oh, sure. uh, told that, you know, what we're doing is, you know, bad. And I mean, Rachel, Evil, how many times have you had? Antichrist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally. All kind of stuff. And I will say that. We have gotten criticism from people on both sides we of did. every issue. We did. Which tells me we're right. that we're, <laughs> well, we're right. It tells me that we are being thoughtful and yes. we are considering all the information yeah. and we're not just taking our own perspective or our own preconceived notions yeah. and applying that to everything else. That, to me, I feel like is kind of the litmus test of if you're catching heat from the extremes of both sides, yeah. the truth is usually somewhere in, in the, the middle. middle. So hopefully you're pretty close to the truth. It, it sure um, is. With, with what you're doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is exactly what we experienced as well. We we got it from both ends of the mm-hmm. spectrum. Yeah. And I felt you're not doing enough or you're doing too much. Exactly. Coaching upon our lives, but Mm -hmm. you're not doing enough to protect us. Or why would you dare tell us not to wash our groceries? You know, because we have proven that you don't need to. Right. You know, um, if I could just, Rachel, uh, talk a little bit about the pandemic itself. Yeah. And really talk about you were instrumental in. Uh, really getting these community f- uh, clinics set up. Now, you did have some experience, right? Because you did community flu clinics before, right? Right. When H1N1 happened, yeah. we mm-hmm. um, we had the same type of yeah. uh, community clinics. Um, that was a much different pandemic. But yeah. yeah. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, that's huge coordination. We have 47,000 residents alone in Hillsdale. I think Branch is right near there and St. Joe, maybe a little smaller. Um, but it's a it's a huge number. I mean, what's your total population in the respective counties? Probably well over 150. It's a right around 150. Yeah. Yep. And so you're right in there. It's mm-hmm. it's a, it's It was a lot of coordination. Talk to us about how you motivated your team mm-hmm. and, you know, how you mobilized them. Sure. Well, I, I can tell you, everybody that worked at the health department throughout this whole project, if you want to call it that, yeah. <laughs> this pandemic, yeah. um, we were just totally committed, totally committed to trying to prevent disease. Mm-hmm. I mean, I the from from the nurses to the t- the the lay staff. I mean, everybody was committed to trying to prevent disease. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we woke up in the morning to do, and what we went to bed at night. We everything we did was to try and keep people from getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came time for the vaccine, it was like finally, finally, it's here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't hard to motivate staff. No. What we had to do was find more people. That was the mm. big thing. You know, we're a small department. So we put a call out for volunteers. And you may remember us doing that. I do. And, mm-hmm. and we had 
wonderful yeah, response from did. our community. Retired nurses mm-hmm. and doctors. And yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. And and people even that just did traffic control. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is huge. Well, and we were all in there working at one of the clinics we did as a joint clinic with the mm-hmm. with the hospital and with you guys at the health yep. department. And I remember I was pregnant with my son and we were sitting there at the table scheduling Registering people's second scheduling. appointments yeah, that's for right. their second shot. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I do just, remember you that. Know, we were working those <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, that's right. We were. And they were almost like um, we described hands on deck. like yes. rock concerts at first. Everybody Everybody wanted in, mm-hmm. you know, and that changed mm-hmm. over time. But Oh, I was on the phone with people at nine o'clock at night, like yeah. calling my cell phone to get them scheduled. And some angry, you know, why weren't we accept, you know, I got a family member. The number of emails and text messages I got pleading to me and my heart broke, you know, that my grandfather, we need JJ, you don't understand. And I, I do understand, but that's, a, and I'm sure you got those as well. Can't we just get him a shot? Yeah, when um, it was limited yeah. to certain tiers. Yeah, when it was limited to tiers, yeah. Ages, all of that. Yeah. And when we first got the vaccine, I don't know if you guys remember, when we first got our first allocation, um, then all of a sudden uh, our allocation stopped. It stopped. Because yeah. it, and, and they redirected it they to long-term care, they which did. was important and yep. it needed to be done. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, what we expected to be able to do for our three communities, couldn't. we couldn't do no, it. We were mm-hmm. we were there with you. It was heartbreaking. It was. Um, it was because, you know, obviously what we had anticipated to do, we couldn't achieve it. And then mm-hmm. the backlash, at least for you and I as leaders, was we're responsible for that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, we it's like, no, there was other priorities. Yeah. You know, how many times were you and I on the phone explaining the tears? Right. And how all this right. works. And if you don't qualify, very, very difficult. Right. The other thing that was a huge help to us was the Michigan National Guard. Do you guys they remember? Were, oh, do I remember? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because I was pregnant. And when you're pregnant, you have all this extra blood in your body. When I got my first shot, <laughs> blood squirted out of my arm mm-hmm. and got on his uniform. And yeah. I felt so bad. Yeah. But they were there and they were helping. And he was like, oh, that's some blood. And I was like, oh, cool. And he's like, no, it's like squirting out. And I looked over and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh of course, gosh. never expected that, yeah. but God bless them for like being, you know, yeah. cool about it. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, they were there. They helped with some that we did here on site. There were several of them that would come out to when we did them up at the college. I mean, mm-hmm. they were instrumental. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just if we would not have had them, those are some early mornings and late nights. And those guys came in there and gals and they tore down the room for us. Mm-hmm. And they were helping, I remember, Hall patients. But let's also remember that we did uh, a joint um, clinic up at the United Brethren Church, remember? Yes. And mm-hmm. the college students, Hillsdale yes. College students who volunteered. Yes. I mean, it, it was remarkable to watch how the yeah. community came together. But yep. uh, all, again, the whole point in having the initial discussion with you is uh, you managed it well. And, and you know, there's a great saying that I give to my staff written by a very famous guy who talks about the critic that doesn't count. And uh, it's it's the person who's in the arena mm. that matters. And you were in the arena, you were marred, you know, you were beat up. And what matters is, is that we were there fighting. Right. And uh, we'll always have people on the sidelines trying to guess mm-hmm. and always Monday quarterbacking. But uh, hats off to you and your staff. Uh, it was uh, a challenging time for all of us. Long nights. Uh, we had mm-hmm. how many commands? You stayed here for a while. Uh, yeah, actually. And, so um, the college was nice enough to provide me some space because they didn't have students on campus like they normally would. Um, so, you know, we I was able to stay on site because at the time I still lived an hour and a half away at the yeah. be- very beginning of the pandemic. Um, so I would stay, I think, at least two nights a week most of the time. Yeah. So there was incredible. one time on a Sunday I came down here at like 
10 or 10.30 at night, put up signs, I went know. over to the college, went to sleep for a couple hours I and know. got back up here, I you know, because know. Wow. I, I think there was like an executive order that had changed on like a there Friday was. afternoon. Yeah, they always so change on Friday, morning, I know. They? So Friday Monday at two. morning, I had to have new signage up all yeah. over the hospital. Friday at so. two always seemed like yeah. that was a case. It, it was wild. What, um, because I will say too, in this process with everybody learning on the fly and us kind of coming from two different sides of the same issue, we didn't always have the same perspective on this is exactly what we should do for this. This is exactly what we should do for this. There were a lot of things that even in working together, we had to kind of have that conversation of, okay, what is truly the best approach? Because we had different ideas for what that should be. Sure. So for you two as the leaders of these two organizations, um, how did that experience um, end up working out? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you guys kind of come to those decisions and figure out how when, you know, things mm-hmm. needed to be done together or could be done separately or, you know, having, you know, sure. differing perspectives on what was going to work yeah. best for certain things? Well, you know, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, we had each other's phone number and we would text each other even late at night. Right. Uh, having conversations and, uh, you know, questions and what are you doing here? Um, I think that was key is that we stayed in communication. And, of right. course, uh, there were very few times uh, that we would have any disagreeing uh, opinions Mm -hmm. Um, because, again, it was all driven towards uh, public health and safety with the patient in mind. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I alerted her on issues. She would alert me on issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would stay in contact about never once was there ever a push like, well, no, that's our clinic or, you know, we're doing a clinic. What are you doing? It was branded at many times as a joint clinic. Right. uh, Right. Because we wanted to work together. I remember coming to Jonesville and working one of your clinics. Uh, You came to Hillsdale and worked one of our clinics. I mean, we were working together to make it work. And it wasn't, you know, like, oh, let's get the notoriety for us. So that relationship, I didn't know Rebecca that well prior to that uh, in my previous role as COO, but I got to know her and appreciate her and what she was able to do for our community. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I can't think of anything that was controversial. Never, um, but never. I do remember, you know, this was this is really the only time in my career that I can remember really working all mm-hmm. day long. I yeah. mean, seriously, yeah. all day, all day. day long. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, because of that, we yeah. did communicate after yeah. hours and you know, and I, I remember like, you know, sharing vaccine, oh, for example. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, talking about, you know, testing yeah. and and how to get, you know, additional testing in the oh, area. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, our coalition so. with the school districts to inform them, you know, we oh, started yeah. the, yep. oh, the school sure. calls and the college mm-hmm. calls. And mm-hmm. uh, there was and, and to to Rebecca's point, you know, it is. Uh, it was all day and all night. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, but we. I still had to run a hospital. Mm-hmm. She still had to run a health department. Right. Those things right. didn't change. I mean, we're, we're thrown into this pandemic and, right. you know, we still have issues here about our boiler system to mm-hmm. our surgery, you know, times to those right. type of things. But I remember one, uh, it was an afternoon and I had reached out to Rebecca and said, all right, we're having this event tomorrow. And we had been working tirelessly. And I mean that, I mean, just month after month. And she apologized because she had to go watch her son at a swimming meet. <laughs> and I said, Rebecca, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Right. Don't right. apologize. And she was very, I mean, I'll be there right after I, I'm like, stop that. <laughs> because we got so engrossed in it and right. we felt so responsible for it. We couldn't even get away for right. four hours. Mm-hmm. And so that shows a commitment and right. a level that you just don't see. Right. Everywhere. Well, and I think it was cool to see over time. It was like, 
from being two entities that didn't really work together all that often. Well, we had no reason a lot, right? Part of the same team. Yeah. And I think when you work through, this is how I, I mean, I just taught our new employees for orientation today and was telling them how this is my favorite job I've ever had and uh, how it's very different when you're in an environment where you're working together with people on things that are challenging and difficult and you're having to figure it out as you go along. But when you're doing that from the position of we're on the same team, we're in this together, it's a very different experience than, well, this is our perspective and we know this because we're an expert in this or this is what we think and we know this because we're an expert in this. It's not like a a butting heads or a a tug of war. It's... What do you know about this? What do we think about this? Right. And really operating as if you're from one team together, yeah. which just makes it such a different experience. Yeah. And I think that's part of the the success that we were able mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. in helping educate the community, get the vaccines out, get yeah. testing where it needed to be, um, yeah. and really have that pervasive ability to Clearly. help manage throughout the community. Clearly. And, and Rebecca, other other things that I think I want to highlight here, even though we're almost out of time, but, uh, you know, you also engage in a dental clinic. Right. And so why in the world would our local health department be worried about a dental clinic? Why don't you give us an insight into that? I mean, why are you worried about STDs and why are you worried about dental clinics? Sure. Well, um, if you don't have a healthy mouth, then you are not healthy um, yourself. It's really mm-hmm. easy to get a, a bacterial infection from um, an abscessed tooth, right. and it can um, shorten your lifespan, yes. frankly, mm-hmm. um, true. if true. you don't have good dental care. <clears throat> so, um, you know, this vision of dental care um, using MCDC as our dental provider mm-hmm. started, you know, over 10 years ago now. Yeah. And this dental center in Hillsdale was um, a project, a collaborative project between us, the county of Hillsdale, and MCDC, frankly. And it went well for a number of years. It did. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, that dentist moved on and we couldn't find our MCDC could not find yeah. a mm-hmm. dentist to yeah. replace. Mm-hmm. So um so knowing how many people that could not get dental care and then they end up in your they ER do. They do. right Absolutely. because they can't find a dentist yeah. to take care extreme of pain. and now they have an mm-hmm. abscess too. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. And then the the physicians are less than eager to prescribe pain meds because, you know, that's being watched right now. Right. So it's a terrible situation. Right. But we know mouth pain uh, is terrible. Yeah. And uh, if you've ever had uh, a toothache, it mm-hmm. can really impact yep. your mental well-being right. because it just overpowers you. And I so, had my wisdom teeth out in college, and I tried to switch over to ibuprofen a little too quickly. Yeah. You can't. Never again. No. Worst experience yeah. of my life. Yeah. And you need that extra boost. And so, right. uh, but having that center in rural communities where it's hard to recruit dentists yep. and the population maybe have not been so eager, maybe a little reluctant to get dental work done that they've let go. Um, it's a huge need in rural communities. And we and we witness that. It is. And I mean, there's great dental providers here in Hillsdale County, um, but there's not enough to take care of no. those individuals that that are uninsured or have Medicaid, yeah. adult mm-hmm. Medicaid mm-hmm. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think um, you hear that quite a bit of, does that dentist accept Medicaid? Medicaid. Because a lot of them don't. And that's part not. of the issue. Yep. And it's hard. And, and so the way that works is, well, anybody can go there. And you don't you don't have to be at a certain that is right 
Okay. Yep. So, but it is driven more towards those who are indigent too, right? right? Because you can't be denied. Am I understanding that correctly? They um, will take uninsured as well as Medicaid, right. healthy mm-hmm. kids, whatever, private you know, pay. private pay. Um, they do have a program, though, that, you know, if you make an appointment, they expect you to be there. That's true. Right. So they do have a no-show that's a fairly strict policy. It is. It is. And, and they have to do they, that. They have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To serve mm-hmm. other patients and other right. clients in the community. Right. Because when a patient doesn't make it to their appointment, that's a missed opportunity for somebody else that really needs right. care. Yeah. Right. So um, it's important that if it you is. make an appointment, that you make your appointment. Right. But and other than that, it's anybody is able to everybody utilize yeah. that. Yes, and there's a sliding fee scale that they use yeah. for uninsured. Mm-hmm. So what a wonderful opportunity that we have again. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Brown, who they brought in uh, to work this facility, mm-hmm. is so welcoming and so friendly. And, um, and, and we've really been focusing on Hillsdale County residents trying to meet that need that's been missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just going really, really well. Yeah. So. And Rebecca, just remind us again, you have a location in every county. We're very lucky to have a location in Coldwater and then two in St. Joe County, oh, wow. one in Sturgis and one in Three Rivers. And then one in Hillsdale. And then one in Hillsdale. Yeah. Yep. And at those clinics, uh, walk-in appointments, uh, what what type of things do you do there? You do vaccines? Um, at the at the dental clinics. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I mean the, uh, the actual health your health departments. Yeah. Yeah. At our health department um, offices, absolutely, we do walk-ins. Okay. Um, as long as we have a nurse available um, and we can pull their records and stuff, we sure. can give vaccines. Um, we prefer appointments, but yeah. um, we'll work with walk-ins. And we do offer that in Sturgis, Three Rivers, Coldwater, and here in Hillsdale. Okay, very yep. good. As well as, as you mentioned, like STD testing, yes. HIV testing. Right. Uh, we do offer those options for, for residents as well. Um, so, yes. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, Rebecca, we could spend a couple hours talking about all the fun things in, uh, you know, the health department and the hospitals and uh, what we're doing uh, as a collective team to take care of our patients right here in our own communities. And I think that's so important. The work you've done, uh, you you should be applauded for. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, walking us through and helping us through the pandemic, uh, walking our community through it, uh, but for being here today to tell your story and to tell, you know, why it's so important uh, for those health departments and each of those rural communities, you know, to be funded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll have members of both the state and federal uh, governments listening to some of these podcasts, and we know that because they tell us that. And if they're listening today, you know, we would just encourage them. Fund your health departments because it is truly you're the gatekeepers of those community concerns, correct? It's important that we have enough funding to be able to respond when there's an emergency. That's right. right. And um, what we found during the pandemic is that public health was so underfunded for so long. Grossly underfunded. That um, it was difficult for us to properly respond. And hopefully uh, the future will change that. Right. And as priorities are made at uh, the legislatures across this nation, that they'll put more emphasis more financial focus on our health departments because you play a very vital role. So, Rebecca, once again, we want to thank you for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. Thank you. And before we close, we love to do a fun segment with each of our guests. We want to know what is your most unique rural experience, and you're going to have some since you're from Northern, or one of your favorite (laughs) memories that is unique to rural life. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
Okay. What? Well, my my brain is just like there's so many. With ideas. There's so many. There's so many. We've heard everything from cow tipping to you name it. So oh, cow tipping. <laughs> yes, our favorite. Um, oh gosh, I remember as a kid, um, I was a huge reader, and so the big round bales of hay. Oh yeah. I would go out in the field and um, climb up on the top of a big round bale no and read for hours. Oh, well, they awesome. couldn't find me. See, it was great. Oh, it was really good. <laughs> Where is she? She's hiding on top of one of those big bales. Oh, those yeah. are the fun days, aren't they? Those are the fun days. Yeah. 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 Now, Rebecca, mm-hmm. when's the last time you got on a hay bale? Up by a hay bale. <laughs> it's been years. a while. It's, it's been, been a while. A while. Yeah. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you for joining us today. Okay. Thanks. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest. So be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Rebecca Burns, Health Officer for the Branch Hillsdale St. Joseph Community Health Agency. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.